0: Hey everyone, welcome to that Triathlon Life podcast. I'm Eric Lagerstrom.
1: I'm Paula Finlay
0: I'm Nick Goldston. And after a fun week last week with my sister, all three of the, uh, the Musketeers are back. Well, Paul and I are back in Bend. Nick's on the other side of the world, so we're doing this little weird time. But we're all here and we're psyched.
2: So where do we start? What there's about a hundred things we need to talk about here before we even start. get into them. First thing.
1: First things first. It's Eric's birthday today. Woo! We are committed to the trade, so I think we're here. It's fun. Eric thinks it's fun. Yeah. Once we're all here and doing it, it's fun. Yeah. yeah it's the planning agreed. that's not fun. Right.
0: When agreed. you're trying to like fit in a birthday cake celebration and picking up the right. birthday cake, and yeah.
1: Three
2: workouts and, and getting
1: my engagement ring fitted. You're what? I'm, <laughs> so,
2: I'm sorry. <laughs> it's
1: too big.
2: Oh my god. But it's, it's okay. I've been big. wearing yeah, it that's... around
1: on my middle finger. I don't know if that's like super taboo, but if I want to wear it, I got to wear it on the on a on a fatter finger which is the middle.
0: (laughs) I'd I'd rather it not get lost, so whatever finger.
1: Yeah, but honestly, okay, Bend is so insane. I went into the jeweler today. Never in my life have I been to a jeweler, by the way. And it's like a month out to get it resized, and you have to leave it with them. And I'm like, can I just come back in a month?
2: What's the reason for this? How come this jewel is this jeweler not very good?
1: No, I think it's just the demand is so high.
2: The town is growing
0: very quickly. I don't think industries like... Plumbers, ring modifi- modifiers, tailors. I don't think these trades are growing at the same rate that people want to move here to yeah. mountain bike and trail run.
2: Plus, how old are the people that are moving there? You know, that's like probably all, about our age. Yeah, it's all the exactly. same age kind of people.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I love the ring. Uh, Eric and I, Eric, we got engaged on uh, Monday, and. That's
0: that. So th- this might come as a surprise to some people for different reasons. I bet half the podcast thinks that Paul and I are already married right. and have been for a right. while. Of course, uh, but we're actually not. We're both. I guess we should back up just for- in case you're new here. Paul and I are both professional triathletes. We're romantically involved. <laughs> we are <We're> now engaged. <laughs> wow,
2: no shit.
0: <laughs> Nick is uh, Nick is our really good friend, um, amateur triathlete, and professional musician.
2: You did it. It's finally happened. Now people can stop bothering both of you about this. Yeah.
1: And the comments that are like, oh, finally, like, okay, nothing really changed. Eric's w- ha- he's had it for a little while. I've had, it, to-
2: I've had
0: it for a little while. And there's been a lot of people who've made comments and about the, like the, how long is it, you know, the, in the, the finally people. And you know, like, honestly, if if you're one of those people who do that, I would recommend don't do that because that annoyed me to the point of where it, it made me frustrated about it. And I didn't like, Especially when someone like pretty close to you does it, what if I was planning on doing it the next day? Then you have to live with that person being like, "Oh, glad I was able to push it over the edge." Yeah. I was
2: not going to give that person that satisfaction. So, anyway, I totally agree. I don't understand what the best case scenario is. Right when you tell someone, "Ooh, when are you getting engaged?" It's like, okay, either one, you're making them feel awkward about something that they're struggling with or B, you're taking away something that should be special and you're making it seem kind of just like this compulsory thing that everyone has to do. Either way, it's... Either
1: way, but we're not turning this into a negative thing. It
2: took took a while, but
0: I really want it to be a special moment. And, you know, like a lot of people, I I wanted us to be able to do it in nature, (laughs) on a bike ride or on a run or something. And that's tricky because we're ultimately also doing it while we're at the office. Yeah, like the percentage of times where I'm
1: grumpy on a run is pretty high, but (laughs) um, on this, like before, it was our last run in Canmore, so I was like, Eric, can you bring your phone in case we want to get like a picture on our last run? Obviously, I had no idea that this was coming. He forgot his phone, so after the first kilometer, I was like, did you bring your phone? He said no, and I'm like, okay, well then you can carry the bear spray. So I gave him the
2: bear spray. Perfect, of course. (laughs)
1: So it's carrying the ring and the bear spray. <laughs>
2: <laughs> good thing you didn't mix the two up and the moment mattered, Eric. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Okay, anyway. Um, yeah, that's very fun. And also, the feedback from last week's podcast was pretty amazing. And I personally thought Elise did a super good job. Loved very it. articulate. I was very interested. And I wasn't there when you guys recorded it, but I was. Uh, I did listen to it, and I thought it was awesome. So, yeah, I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of crossover too with triathletes who either do trail running or are interested in it and Real even curious. if you're not it's still like trail an epic curious. endurance event which is relatable to us. So uh either either way I think it was fun for people to hear.
2: Yeah. Um okay, and then we have gear that is dropping yeah. on Friday, but I'll let Eric talk about that a little more.
1: So yeah. that's tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When uh-huh. this comes out it will be officially tomorrow. Um, Friday, it'll be in the morning. We haven't set an exact time yet, but probably like 7 or 8 a.m. Pacific. And this is like, this is pretty exciting for us because this is the first time that we've done like a pretty cohesive launch all at one time. Over the last, since COVID, basically it's been really hard for us to put out, you know, t shirts and shorts and hoodies like all at the same time. And it's been like, oh, we got the blue hoodies. And then in two months, we'll have the green ones. And then in a week, we'll have the shorts. And we don't have the ability to just like hold stuff you know, so long to keep it all coming out at the same time, but this all worked out. We've got new trail hats. We've got two women's shirts, two men's shirts, two men's shorts, two women's shorts. Super cool. We went for this like retro color block, really fun summer collection. So check that out on Friday.
1: Yeah. Maybe we should call it the color block collection. It's so far unnamed. So this is how we work at TTL. Like you know, some companies they're like have things planned two years out, and they're like picking their summer twenty twenty four collections We're the out, podcast,
2: like oh, yeah. and we're
1: like oh, it's David. coming out tomorrow. What should we call it? Call it the blue. But usually, like Eric comes up with really smart things, like on a dime. So we well, can.
0: I've been busy planning this uh, this little event. This little run that we did in Canmore. Uh, I was busy. Oh,
1: you were busy planning that? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't for that the moment? We're busy.
0: We've been busy with a lot. No, it was, I mean, I've been planning that for a long time. But yeah. uh, we we have had a lot going on. The other thing that we have going on, also apparel related, is finally Nick and my film with Foreign Riders coming out. That's going to be Saturday. Yep. And we, I mean, we did that. We flew straight from Oceanside, 70.3, way back in April to Hawaii and shot this film with Ralph Dunning of Foreign Rider to basically help him launch uh, the technical apparel side of his brand. And more importantly, kind of tell a little bit of a story of what the brand is about and what it means, Foreign Rider, and their motto is the exploration of freedom. So we would absolutely love it if you go ahead, if you go and watch that, it'll be on Foreign Riders YouTube. We'll make a big deal about it on Instagram, so it shouldn't be hard to find. But Nick and I are really, really proud of it.
2: Yeah, it's. I think it's probably the. Well, we've done. We do different kind of things, but it's, I feel like it's maybe the coolest thing we've ever done as a complete package.
0: I think so. I think in terms of it having multiple layers of meaning and just being the absolute best we could do with you know cinematography. We, you know, we shot controlled burn in one evening, and we were late to pizza.
2: We were <laughs> we in like, trouble.
0: Texting us like, where are you guys? Like, we're one more shot, one more shot. But this, we went to Hawaii for four days. All the locations we wanted to go to took the time, did it right, and it's gonna, it's awesome. Yeah.
1: Although you did buy the fancy drone after this trip, so it couldn't be that awesome.
2: That's true. The fancy drone <laughs> did come later. It could have been and like three percent nice. awesomer. It would have been nice to have the fancy drone because when I'm punching in on some of those edits, I'm like, ah, yep, yeah, this is not quite as crisp as the yeah. as the, the new one would be. Well, that's I, guess thing. We'll just, I guess we'll just have to shoot another one then. That's the only there solution will be I more. see. There will be more. We're just getting started.
1: Uh, did we mention that it's Eric's birthday today? Yeah, we did. We did. Okay. We cool. did. Eric, Let's you're do turning the questions,
2: then. 21? You're going to have your first drink? <laughs> Can't wait. Got any Can't recommendations? <laughs> yeah, my first drink was a Mai Tai at a Cheesecake Factory in Boston. Really? So don't, do, don't do that. <laughs> I think my first drink was actually a beer. Yeah, because nice. I'm a male. Classic. Classic stuff, male human <laughs> in Oregon. <laughs> um, okay, so the first thing we'll do here is a little Bike Tech with Eric. Bike tech with Eric. This is just a one-question one, but I do think it's a good one. Uh, okay, so this is from Tom. Tom says, hi, we'll add to those keeping the intro short and the Apple podcast reviews long. This would likely fall towards the Bike Tech with Eric, which he abbreviated to BTWE, which I love. Um, I'm starting on a I TT like build. Yeah, that's good. I'm starting on a TT build for mainly middle distance 70.3s. And I'm looking for input on a one by or two by drivetrain. Looked like Paula was using one by Canadian TT champs and maybe in 70.3s this season as well. One by is a little bit cheaper and a little lighter, but is it just going to limit the gear range too much for the average 70.3, even with a 12 speed cassette? Is there any variety among pros you see or most are two-by? Curious what you've seen. Thanks, Tom.
0: Yeah, uh, this is going to be a little bit individual. I think Paula and I and a lot of pros can get away with a one-by because—
1: I'm surprised how many pros don't use a one-by. Yeah. I, I love know. the one-by. I mm. freaking love it. Like, I put a two-by on when the when it's a really hilly course, but I don't like it. And I think in St. George we put a two-by on and I honestly didn't even get out of the big ring. Yeah. So I would just uh, even
2: up snow canyon you weren't you were yeah. in the big ring. Yeah, cuz
1: the 12 the 12 speed at the back gives you a really huge so range. so much range. Yeah. It's just if you want like ultra tight options for I'll let Eric answer cuz I don't know, but my personal opinion is I love the one-by. And no, it's that's not valid. it's not a cost thing or a weight thing necessarily, although it is lighter and more aero, but for me it's just simpler. It's like yeah, either go up or you go down, you're not f***ing around with the front
0: I agree. I mean, Paula pretty much nailed it, but kind of where I was going with my original line of thought was that I think a lot of pro athletes can get away with it because we're strong enough, even going up Snow Canyon to stay in the big ring. Whereas, you know, Paula's FTP is whatever, 280 and mine's 310 or whatever. And it's like, we can go above that for a bit and almost for sure the dynamics of the race are going to dictate a pretty high pace uphill. Whereas if you're just trying to pace evenly and you have an FTP of 160, you're probably going to want that that two-by, would be my guess. Unless you know you're doing like Texas, Florida, and you don't have any hills.
1: Although I do, I would say that like Eric and I both have 2 bys on our road bike. And for a training purpose... I think the 2 by is nicer because you you want to be able to spin up a hill if you yeah, need to. Totally. But we only are really using our TT bikes for racing or race-specific workouts where we're practicing being at really high speeds and don't really need to spin up steep hills. So depending on what you're using the bike for, if it's going to be your primary bike for training, 2 by is definitely the way to go.
2: Yeah, Even if it's not your primary bike, even for someone like me, I am very grateful to have a two by setup on my bike because of the training purpose, you know, and 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 where you live. Yeah. And where I live too, it it can be very hilly, but if you're going out for a ride that's not high intensity, you want to be able to like kind of slowly spin up a hill sometimes, you know, it's not just all out all the time. So for me, I find, but maybe if you live in a really flat place and you're only doing flat races, maybe that's the one scenario where a one by would be better.
1: Yeah. Or if you want to go real fast. Real fast, like if all those little minor differences with arrow and weight make a difference. But what I often do is, if you buy a one by, you can also just easily switch it to a two by. Like Eric switches mine back and forth all the time. I don't know how much time it takes.
0: It just takes money because the power meter is built in.
2: Oh,
1: Oh, it's expensive.
0: Okay, unfortunately, with the at least with like the dinner plate, solid chain rings, yeah.
2: My question for you, Eric, is, uh, I guess I haven't really thought of this until this question, but how complicated is it with the front uh, derailleur to remove and install that every time? Do you have to kind of like re-index it every time? Is that no. easy? I can do
0: it in like 20 minutes because with the SRAM eTAP, it's wireless. So I leave the derailleur like attached to the hanger and the on the Shiv TT, the hanger actually is entirely removed. And so I just have to bolt the hanger on and then tell the whole system, hey, you're a two-by again. (laughs) Oh, Change the chain length. The chain length changing is probably the biggest thing. But
2: Oh, you 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 do have to change the chain length? Yeah. Okay, so my follow-up question, do you put a new master link in every time or do you keep reusing the same one?
0: So far, I've only done it enough times where I just put a whole new chain on. Oh, okay, got it. Because obviously, like, one direction, you can't, like, make the chain longer.
2: I don't know if you've heard this before that you should only put the master link on once. You shouldn't be taking it on and off constantly. Do you have you ever heard that?
0: Yeah, I have heard that, and I'm sure SRAM probably says that, but I don't do it every single time.
2: Yeah, that seems. I mean, how 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 bad can it really be? I don't know because they're just worried about a point of failure. It's a master
1: link. I'm sure if I don't know, a lot of people don't know. Yes, right.
0: True. There's a link that's in a chain that basically you use a master link tool to like pinch it, and that splits the chain instead of having to use a chain breaker to physically push a pin out of the chain.
2: Okay, okay. it's designed so that it actually kind of like comes apart. Yeah, um, unlike every other link in the chain,
0: like a necklace clasp or anything like that. So you could use that to clean the chain really easily, travel without the chain on the bike, etc.
1: They, yeah. I, I reached out to Ice Friction just like on a whim. I was like, I really want a waxed chain because everyone's doing it for my TT race. And they sent me like two within a day. Yeah. Great nice. company.
2: And it work. We want to take over their it.
1: Instagram and revamp it a little, but their product is amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's
0: great. And um, do everything. It's hard.
2: Okay, so we're going to move on to questions now, but that was a great uh, Bike Tech with Eric's little segment, Tom, thank you, and we kind of spiraled, but spiraling with the Bike Tech stuff is always great and interesting. Um, so for anyone that's listening, you probably already know this, but if you don't, you can uh, ask questions for this podcast yourself at thattriathlonlife.com slash podcast, and you can also become a podcast supporter there, and that helps keep this podcast ad-free. We just get straight to it.
0: Hot tip for those considering doing that. We have got some good stuff coming up. We have a couple different companies that are interested in giving away some good
2: stuff. Including DeGore.
0: Mm,
2: yeah. Ooh, to ooh, the podcast ooh. supporters. So, And it'll be only to the supporters, right? Not to all the listeners. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. First question here is from Jacob from Wisconsin. Hi, Eric, Polinick, and Flynn. My question is about your routine the day before a race, specifically what you do for workouts. It appears on YouTube videos, you sometimes do multiple workouts the day before a race. Can you give some insight in how long and hard these workouts are? I have a 70.3 coming up, and the plan I'm following has the day before as a rest day, but I usually feel better doing a short workout. Thank you, Jacob.
1: Yeah, um, it's so funny to call them workouts because I wouldn't. I would say they're like, tune up, gear check, make sure your body feels good. And you're right, taking a rest day before a race, I think, is insane because... I never feel that good after a total rest day, but usually we'll do a swim a bike and a run the day before,
2: really? I don't yeah. think I knew you did all three the day before.
0: We do like well, they're short a two like k swim maybe that's just a choice and then like an hour
1: it's not aerobic. choice there's a workout too. like there's an incorporated set within the two k like Sometimes. some pickups and whatever uh and then an hour ride and a twenty minute run.
0: The run's usually optional says so like optional you know, with strides or something like that.
1: And the bike will be like some six second sprints. And honestly, like that activates your neurological system a little bit. But I also think it's a good check to make sure your bike is all together. Because when when you're doing a six second max sprint, (laughs) you're cranking on that thing. And if anything's loose or anything's not like set properly, it'll break. So (laughs) I get confidence out of doing those six second sprints, honestly. Also a little scary though.
2: I feel yeah. I
0: feel so like, you break your radiator straight uh, off, bam. at which point you yeah. go to the bike shop and they tell you they're three months out.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. well,
1: whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you've traveled and your pedals are loose or whatever. I know.
0: I'm just joking. But
1: usually the way I'll structure the race, the day is like get up first thing in the morning, like 7 a.m. Do the hour ride, and then it's done. And then I'll clean my bike, make sure it's all good to go. Go check my bike in, and after I'm done checking my bike in, do a little swim on the course if that is feasible at this, at your race venue, and then go back to your hotel, chill a little bit, maybe do a 15 minute pre-dinner jog. So there's so much time in the day to Mm. rest and get ready, even with fitting in these three shorter sessions. So that's how we do it.
0: Yeah. Most of the time, I feel like we're like, we get, you're getting cagey because you're so rested. You've been sleeping a ton and you're just like want to race. And it's almost like, oh, thank God it's time to go for that run. It's a thing to do. I just, I'm feeling restless sitting here on the couch anyway.
2: Do you guys ever get worried that your wetsuit may not uh, be dry by the next morning or does it even matter if it's not dry?
0: No, only in like Florida where it's a thousand percent humidity.
1: But even if it's not, if it's that hot and humid, it's not a wetsuit swim for one. And it is possible to put a wet wetsuit on if you are determined.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's possible. I just feel like it's miserable. I mean, between. The last thing I want to do. <laughs> between well, like so
0: is the race the next, Between like noon and the next morning, it's pl- that's plenty of time if you hang- turn it inside out and hang it up <laughs> outside. You're good.
1: My joke Paul, went right oh, over his that. head, but I, I was it. sorry. I, I, was,
0: I, was, I was trying to say something and I didn't, and I totally missed whatever the
2: joke it was. It was a good joke. It was a good joke, Eric. You'll have to listen to the pod to catch it, though. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, <okay>. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Eric. So Eric uh, on our ride last week was we were sharing iP- AirPods because he forgot his AirPods, and I was listening to the Elise pod. And he took the AirPod out and refused to listen to it. Yeah,
2: Eric does not listen to the pod. Guys,
1: hot inside tip
0: here. No, I mean, I really, I did want to listen to that one, and I, but also I was there. Um, But for me, like, listen, it was just a very weird feeling. Be like listening to us in my in my head, and I felt like I was there versus like I'm here on this road doing this workout and uh-huh, it wasn't
2: yes, it see. wasn't
0: just an easy spin so I was just I was having this like very weird sensation of like I'm having a conversation with Nick and my sister right now or am I riding with Jordan and Paula on in Canada I can't
2: I think this is what a lot of people like about this podcast is that they listen to it on the trainer or on a run or something and they do feel like they're here with us instead of suffering with totally the, yeah you know the the effort I get it.
1: Maybe. I get it. Different when it's yourself on the other end. Yes,
2: that is different.
1: Yeah. This was the session where Eric and Jordan and I were like softly going for a QOM from Lake Louise to Banff on the highway. And- Uh, When I say softly, I was like, I knew at the kilometers an hour, you had to hold forty-two kilometers an hour for an hour well, that's and nine not that minutes.
2: Soft, Jesus. So it's
1: it's like kind of hauling ass, but also there was like a bit of a tailwind, so we thought it was a good day to do it.
0: It was one of those workouts where we're supposed to do fat max riding. So ah, instead right. of like instead of like four by thirty minutes fat max, we just did. 90 minutes,
1: fat max. (laughs) So my watts weren't like crazy. I wasn't drilling it the whole time. Um, But we were moving fast. And by halfway, our average was over 42K an hour, Um, Uh kind of like taking turns and stuff. So, um,
2: Is this the one that you, I don't want to give it away, but did you get it?
1: No, I missed it by one second. Yeah, oh no. I missed an hour and nine that, minute, 27 second QOM by one
2: brutal. second.
1: And I didn't have it like saved on my Wahoo with the Strava segment thing. So when we got halfway, we're doing this climb and Eric and Jordan are just like chatting. And I was like, okay, we're giving up on it. For whatever the record,
0: we, I was going 330 watts while we were chatting. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> like, oh
1: this boy. is fun. Like, I was like, come on, boys. <laughs> <laughs> we're low key going for a segment. So then, right arrow, please.
0: So then, the last 20 minutes,
1: I was like, okay, I need to take this into my own hands. And I went to the front and started riding pretty hard. And then, this like most insane thunderstorm you've ever seen and rain started coming down, couldn't see like blinding. Rain absolutely with crazy with hail, it like hurt.
0: There was like probably two centimeters of water just standing, yeah, on oh the road no. because it, it was scary, it wasn't draining fast enough.
1: And I was like, Man, if we weren't like softly going for a segment, I would just stop right Get now
0: under a tree, yeah. yeah.
1: But I kept going because we were kind of within the range of maybe getting it. So we kept riding through this crazy storm, crossed like the arch at the end of the. Parkway and still had no idea if I'd gotten it or not. Got to Strava when I'd finished and missed it by a second. Ugh.
2: It's funny because if you see that on the leaderboards, you're like, well, clearly those two people were riding together. There's no yeah, way exactly. that you an imagine? over-hour segment is a Ugh. second apart.
1: I'm not like sentimentally attached to that segment or anything. It was just like a fun reason to kind of go hard. Yeah.
2: yeah. So uh,
1: I'll try it again. But and anyway, we'll,
2: we'll wait for a good one That was day maybe too. Our,
1: my biggest tangent ever.
2: That's great. That's such a great story. Love that. We're gonna need <laughs> a theme that. song it's hard for tangents now. <laughs>
1: tangent oh. with tangent with tangents Paula. With Paula.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, if we had tangents theme songs, we would it would be constant.
1: And it only happens if I if I skip a week. Okay. Anyway, next
2: question. Fun. Next question here is from Mary Nicole. Hi, Paula, Eric, Nick, and Flynn. My question is for Eric. Have you ever considered doing the Leadville 100 mountain bike race or any event similar to that? I've supported friends and family during that race, and your mountain bike montage in the latest TTL YouTube had me thinking about it. Plus, after the pod with Elise last week and learning about her trail running, I think it would be so cool if she did the Leadville 100 run and you did the Leadville 100 mountain bike race. Anyways, thank you all for what you do so much. Mary Nicole. Interesting proposition to have you guys both do that race. Yeah, that would be interesting.
1: I put this question in, though, because uh, a coincidence. it's kind of a coincidence.
0: I'm doing a 100-mile mountain bike race on Saturday.
2: I'm
1: sorry, what?
0: Did you not know this, Nick?
2: No, I did know this. We, you, I thought you told me I told you. A you. Bit ago.
0: Yeah, um, you yeah, I've definitely considered doing events like that. Leadville does not particularly interest me that much because it's not really a very technical mountain bike ride. It's kind of more about like... Yes, you're on a mountain bike because the road sucks, uh, but you're at ten thousand to twelve thousand feet, and that's the hard. Part. And I, I have a, nothing but respect for people who do it, but it's I'm kind of more interested in the type of mountain bike race that I'm doing this weekend, where it's predominantly single track and it's not just about altitude. So yes, I'm I'm very much looking forward to dabbling in such things. Maybe I don't know. That's that, that. Yeah, there. Mm-hmm. I won't say no, because the with a lease kind of concept not is That's pretty entertaining.
2: And would yeah. you do one of those hundred mile gravel races? Like, does that sound interesting to you? Or do you like the very technical mountain bike aspect of it to make it fun?
0: Um, for sure. You know, I, I did some gravel racing back uh before COVID, before gravel like became a thing and everybody made gravel bikes. And the one that I did was the Vermont Overland. I guess I should say my favorite one that I did was the Vermont Overland. And that is a, like a very technical ride. Um, and it's shorter. It only takes like four hours. And I just, I personally don't understand why there aren't more gravel events of that length. It kind of seems like, oh, it's a gravel race. It has to be 120 miles and it has to be a thousand degrees and, or whatever. So, yeah, like it, just like triathlons, if a certain course captures my imagination, like I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. So it's, it's less about, what everybody else thinks is cool rather than kind of what it gets me excited about a course or a culture or a story around a certain event. The idea of being able to do the, the FKT style thing is you can still go to a place, make a cool video about it. That isn't like trying to somehow get a video alongside of other person's videographer at dirty cans. No, it's like Unbound. your own thing. Yeah. Like we could actually go and do have the best of both worlds. You're doing a cool thing in nature and we can also present it in a way that gets people really excited and is artistic. So
2: yeah, Cool. um. Cool. Next question is from Derek. Hey, all. After finishing my first triathlon last weekend, I was wondering if any other followers or members of TTL Nation were around. Any plans or ways for those who support you all to connect somehow? It would be cool to connect with someone in the area for workouts or other races as the training can sometimes be a lonely endeavor. Keep up the wonderful work you do. Derek. So, I I mean, we've talked about this before. I feel like Right now, the most convenient way to do that is kind of like wear your TTL stuff to the race. And that's kind of like a little beacon, you know, of, hey, I'm here. You know me. I know you. Let's, you know, let's hang out. Let's talk at least.
1: Yeah. But it did, it was an interesting uh, thought because if you were at a race and you want to like plan in advance to meet someone before the race for a ride or Mm -hmm. after the race for a beer or something, like it's kind of awkward to do that. Maybe in person, just because they're wearing the same T-shirt as you. So I don't. It might be cool to have a. Yeah, we've talked a lot about having a Slack channel or a Facebook group or something like, like that. We're just at capacity for adding stuff to our to do list, but I think it could kind of self maintain because the community would keep it. Yeah. Going.
2: Yeah, like that's how a, like a subreddit would work, like that too, right? Like you have a moderator or something or not, and people yeah. can kind of like mm-hmm. make posts within that and. Discuss through that, or like you said, a Facebook group or a Slack channel or something like that. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that would be cool. And I I honestly think that, like, unlike Slow Twitch or some of these other forums that can bring some negativity, I don't think the TTL community would need moderating. No, you're right. (laughs) That's not really the point. Everyone is so positive. So yeah, I think just as a network community thing, it would be cool. So good idea. Thanks for bringing it up.
0: Yes. Very top of mind for us, and it will happen at some point. We're just
2: yeah, cool growing. Yeah, and, and I guess I I want to put this question in because we get asked this a lot, uh, and it's not like we don't know it's a thing. We do want to make it happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is crazy to us still, like how how many freaking hats we see at a race, so. It's like still very shocking to us how big it's become and even the fact that something like this is requested is kind of insane. So, um, But it's a good idea. Yeah, cool.
2: Um, Next question here is from Joy from Minneapolis. Hi TTL team, just finished my first Olympic try and want to thank you for your company on many runs and inspiration. Your attitudes and race stories keep it real and tips put us kids above the competition. In my race, everything went to plan or better until the run. Hot headwind in every direction. (laughs) I know that feeling. Lost my caffeine pill, passed by 24 people and slower than expected. I didn't bonk, but didn't really perform. I saw my mental chatter declining and getting more nasty. Also, I had two songs on replay in my head. I practiced running empty-headed without content, but this was torture. So the question is, what do you think about while running without music? Are you talking to yourself, pep talks, or what the hell am I doing here? The pod is so impactful. I'm hooked. Thanks for all you do for the community. Joy from Minneapolis. So I feel like something we maybe need to clarify this. Let's say w- during a, a race or during training, because during a race, I feel like, I don't know if I'd even want music. Like I'm so overstimulated already that I'm kind of want to be paying full attention to what's around me. But I don't know. I mean, am I alone in that? Do you guys feel like if yeah, you could I wear headphones in a race, would you? No.
1: I don't wear headphones when I run either in training. I, yeah. I think it's a bit distracting. I think we've talked about this plenty of times on we the podcast. Have,
2: we, we have. But we I don't know if we've talked about like in training y you, you, you said because you don't want to get used to like the high that music can give you when then you're even can't just it drowns it out the race.
1: Yeah, it drowns out your breathing and you don't get used to that feeling of hearing yourself work hard.
0: Yeah. And I it's like, a bit
1: distracting.
0: In 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 training, what I'll do it, a lot of times I want to bring my phone with me because I'm using trail forks to like try a new run or something, and then I'll just have like my familiar pump up list or whatever, playing on the speakerphone. And you're obviously not getting the full immersive music experience, but if you know the song, it's like having a movie on in the background that you like. Like it's, you still get a little bit of an emotional response That's to fun. it while being able to hear, hear birds and not, you know, have a mountain biker take you out from behind or you know, whatever, safety and, and all that. So.
2: But do you have a, a tip for someone who maybe is kind of like, let's say, let's use the word addicted to having some kind of content, music or podcast or something? Who then has to switch to silence or the sound yeah. of their own body and the and, and of what's going on around them. Do you have any tips for someone that's trying to make that switch? Because yeah, I get it that be it like, can feel like, uh oh, I don't have my clients. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the time what I'm thinking about during a race that's hard or a workout that's hard, or even just an easy run, is like workouts that I've done that are harder than what I'm doing right now. Like if I'm in a race and I have 10K uh, to go, I'm like yeah. I did a 35 minute tempo last week, 10K, it was no big deal. So I could do that right now. So it's just like I draw confidence from training and I do so much math in my head about like time I have left or distances to people. Or like I'm the opposite of Eric. I'm pretty sure he does not think about what's happening with the time or the distance or the pace ever, but it's literally all I'm thinking about, maybe too much. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I've done 4K in this amount of time, blah, 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 doing all this math.
2: How often are you checking in with your body, like, it consciously? Like, how am I feeling? Is this pace sustainable?
1: Uh, not often, but I do often tell myself to relax my shoulders. That's kind of my mm. cue, and then that'll smooth me out a little bit because I tend to get really high shoulders if I'm running hard.
0: Yeah, that's more what I think about <laughs> is, is, like, I have quite a few cues that – I cycle through that have, you know, helped me over the years with <clears throat> my running or my biking to kind of like work through the, the hip issue that I that I deal with. So, I kind of go back and forth between thinking about my foot strike being light or like my shoulders being relaxed and like leaning forward and trying to do these things and like immersing myself in feeling as smooth and fast and strong as I can versus yeah, like I definitely can't do math while while racing. <laughs>
2: It's funny to to think about, you know, one of the many differences between being a professional and being an age grouper that wants to get the most out of themselves, is that you guys have like a range of potential outcomes for a race that you would consider to be a good race, um, whereas like for us. We're kind of just trying to get the most out of ourselves each time. But so, so for you, like you're saying you're not really checking in with your body that often. And that's because like <laughs> to, to a certain point, it doesn't really matter what you think or how you're feeling. Like you have to go that fast for the race yeah. to go well, you know, but totally. for us, it's like, no, like uh, there's a big difference for me between totally bonking and having to like walk a bunch or like being able, slowing down a little bit and making it to the end, like relatively okay. Yeah. I mean we, we're of,
0: still making we're still making those calculations. Just the calculation mm, is mm. like do I go with this move and 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 risk that or stay where I am, stay comfortable and know that I can get fourth versus all in for first and then maybe I blow up and get seventh.
2: Yeah. That's the thing is I don't think I don't know if like the only time I think other than maybe the top end of the age groupers, I think the only time anyone's like should I go with this move and it's like that. It's only for like because I will like the motivation that it will give me to go with this person, not because like they're passing me. You know, I don't. I don't know how often that goes through age groupers' heads. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but you're you're still trying to make the decision between like taking a little bit of a risk with your pacing to get a PR. Yeah, and, yeah, and stepping into a space that you is unknown versus staying comfortable and completing. Yeah. No problem.
1: But for this person, I would say. Do Practice doing some runs outside of a race without music just so you're used to the feeling, even though it's not fun.
0: Yeah, run somewhere new. pick a new route, even run your normal route backwards. Just do something that's like a little bit visually stimulating. Listen to try to hear all the sounds. try to hear see if you hear birds. if you hear a garbage truck two streets over, just like immerse yourself in where you are.
2: Yeah. cool. Great answer. Uh, next question here is from Matt. Dear TTL team, I have a question regarding aero helmets. I recently started to use the Giro Arrowhead helmet for racing and participated in the Ironman Happy Valley 70.3 last weekend and had an issue with my visor fogging. It happened when light rain started around mile 48 and was also the most technical part of the course, so I had to slow up. My question is one, do you have any suggestions for anti-fogging? I used Rain X prior since rain was in the forecast. And two, what is the arrow impact if I remove the visor and just use regular sunglasses? Many friends suggested this approach. I also represented my in my TTL Nation kit and received numerous shout-outs on the run course. Ben Foltz went running by me between mile four and five on the run course and was having an impressive performance. Thanks for all you do to support triathlon and enjoy listening to the pod each week, Matt. So first of that's all,
0: awesome! I was gonna say, yes, Ben was great. there and got second. That <laughs> that's I was wondering
2: if he if he saw him. That's so cool. That's like great. the dream. That's what we wanted. That's want the dream. It,
0: right? <laughs> DTL development athlete goes running past TTL nation athlete. They feel a connection. Yes,
2: love it, <laughs> love it.
0: All is right in the world. That's great.
1: Eric and I both use the Giro Arrowhead. And to be honest, I haven't had a fogging issue with it.
0: Me neither. I had fogging issue with uh, my Rudy Project helmets yeah. Um. and like maybe one other brand.
1: It, the but, the Oakley would fog up for me all the time. Nick, yours fogs up, the cast. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, But that doesn't help him because his is fogging. So yeah. I would say spit on your lens. Just <laughs> yeah. spit on your lens and lick, lick it lick all the around. the
2: lens like Eric does with his goggles and Paula hates it. Um. <laughs> Uh, So, first of all, doesn't the Arrowhead come with a hard case, or do you have to buy that separate?
1: I don't know if it comes with it, actually. We usually use, like, the case of the specialized TT helmets to carry. We just
0: have a lot of Arrow helmet cases, Okay.
2: Well, what I was going to say is I find that the fogging up usually happens when your helmet is sitting there in transition, not when you're actually wearing it and then once you're wearing it, it's a nightmare to try to get it off of there. But I find that if the if you keep the helmet in the case until you get on the bike you you hate this Paula because you're you're gonna you're gonna lose what five seconds, but then you'll have a non foggy visor.
1: I disagree though it's not foggy when you put it on. The fogginess comes when you put it on, and the temperature difference is so crazy. Between your head and your breathing, I see that it fogs it, right? I
2: see. For For me, it's never, it's the only time it's ever fogged up has been yeah. before I put it on.
1: That's crazy. Mm. That's never happened. I don't know. To me. Are you leaving That's, your helmet out overnight at the transition?
2: No, no. It's just like the morning, like I'm thinking of it happening. It's, it's happened a, a bunch of times to me. But the, the only time you it fogs, put it
0: on and it's already foggy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm
2: hmm. I think um, for me, the only time it fogs when it's on me is when I take it off, turn it around, and put it like upside down uh, on the top of my helmet. Then, like the hot air of my head fogs it up. But Mm. not when it's on me. There's like enough ventilation. But you know what? That might just be my specific my specific helmet because what you're saying makes much more sense. It's like yeah, (laughs) it's like the heat of your head and all that stuff. The temperature differential. Yeah, that's what
1: fogs it up. Nick's helmet is the only helmet in the world that does that. So disregard.
2: Yeah, disregard that. (laughs) Just kidding. But do you um, guys have, like, do you ever use Raynex or anything like that? My advice would
1: be no. flipping the thing up and putting it on top of the helmet is not that much of an arrow penalty, usually. It's, it's kind of a touchy subject to talk about arrow penalties now because it's so individual. But I've had the Giro on before where I had the dark lens and it was a dark, foggy day. So I flipped it up for the race. And it looks super dorky without the lens thing, but I don't think it's necessarily slower. So I think you could wear glasses. What well, do you guys think?
2: Gl- wasn't there a bunch of testing done on the glasses and the glasses are almost never any slower, yeah, which makes no yeah. sense. You would think it would be like, it looks so much more aero to have the actual built-in yeah. visor on, but apparently yeah. like aerodynamics are tricky.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah,
0: I, I think if you're erasing... You know, UCI time trial world championships, and you're going 48 kilometers an hour, then the difference between glasses and visor being one second over 40K might be worth it. Uh, But For a triathlon, if you can't see and you're like having to wipe it and lick your lens and wonder what to do, then it's definitely definitely
1: slowing you down.
0: Go with the sunglasses.
1: But if you're gonna do the sunglasses, I would maybe even get a different helmet than the Giro. Yeah, like I just can't I can't explain how dumb (laughs) the the Giro looks without the lens.
0: You don't have to explain. Just uh, go look at some pictures. You can <laughs> like, Google it. You can Google when I'm, it. When
1: I'm, even when I'm riding to the race course in the morning and it's pitch black and I got to flip the thing up like to see, it's so You're awful. like, oh, God,
2: people can see me.
1: <laughs> but I think yeah. Gustav uses like the giant TT helmet with glasses. It looks fine. And some other athletes, too, just because generally glasses, lenses will be more anti-fog and more comfortable than a helmet lens.
2: The more air yeah. circulation in there.
1: Yeah. Nick, sorry to be to shut down your idea so hard.
2: No, I, I think mean it's you a can great. try it. I think I think <laughs> that's great. You're you're probably right. And when I think of the Giro arrowhead shape, it's much more in, like enclosing in than my yeah. cask is. So I think my cask the problem is is not so much like I think the heat from my head dissipates quite well, but when okay. there's like so much moisture in the air. That's the problem with it, the fogging. On, gotcha. on the and, and the anti-fog coating is completely gone on my cast because I I made some mistakes when I was cleaning it. Right, right. Mm. Okay. Um, next question here is from Everett and Gresham. In Gresham, as in like Gresham, like Portland Gresham? Is there another where Gresham? Where I grew up. Where, yeah. Where Eric grew up. I mean,
0: there's probably more than one, but. Uh, we hope it's yeah. that one. That's where Um, I grew up. Greetings,
2: CTL team. I have heard Paul and Eric reference their coach telling them not to run directly after or before a long car ride. I would love to hear the reasoning behind that if you know. My partner and I are about to embark on an epic five-week camping trip, and I plan on getting in some runs along the way. Any advice you have on doing that would be awesome. Thanks, Everett.
1: Yeah, it's a good question and applicable because Eric and I just both drove 13 hours to get back here.
0: It's less of a it's less of a thing like waking up, going for a run, and then getting a car in the car. That's not really much of a concern. The concern is you just drove for six hours and you stop, and within the course of five minutes, you throw on your running shoes and you go running along the side of the highway to fade at a run. And your hip flexors are completely tight. Everything's tight. You've got all this extra fluid in your legs. It's just yeah. like uh, not worth it from an injury perspective for us. I can definitely get away with it a little more easier than Paula, but with Paula specifically, our coach is just like, it's not worth it. That's not the run that's (laughs) on your two-day drive.
1: Yeah, we on on this particular road trip, we ran before we drove on both days. And a lot of it is like your ankles get puffy or, like Eric said, your hip flexes are tight. Everything just kind of feels stiff after you've driven for that long. And you're not in an optimal body state to go run, especially if you're injury prone. So like Eric said, it's just not worth it. Like riding, totally fine. Swimming is probably the best thing you can do if that's possible. It kind of flushes everything out and you feel really good after. But yeah, for us, it's just kind of a rule that not only driving, but also like long haul travel or any amount of flight time. Don't run after travel. What Um, you want to
0: do right after your flight, you get to the hotel and you've got an hour until dinner. You just, of course you want to throw on your running shoes and just go for a quick run because that's super efficient, but man, it can just, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. The one like kind of nightmare I had with this was I flew to Australia back when I was coached by Siri and I had like Maluluba coming up in a couple of weeks and ran really hard even the day after I arrived because I was dumb back then and uh, like tore something in my Achilles. I mean everything was just still so tight and off. And then I went and tried to run hard and if I hadn't traveled, that wouldn't have been the case. So it's just right. not worth the risk. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, but everyone's but,
1: individual. Yeah, do what you if, want to do. If
0: you're super, you know, resilient and you're gonna go for an easy run and you've got soft trail, like just you know, use your best judgment. And if after the first time you're like you <laughs> everything hurt, then maybe run before you drive.
2: Yeah. Great. Love it. Good advice. Um, next one here is from Andrew from London. Hi, all loving the podcast and all the awesome insights and how friendly you all are with the pros. I saw a picture on the gram of you guys, Holly, Emma Pellant, Brown, and their partners after a race having dinner. And I just thought it was so cool that you race hard, but our friends afterwards and Ellie and Ellie. Yep. Uh, anyway, my question is about your <laughs> bike setup and why you both choose watch shop in front cockpit. Uh, and did you experiment with any others? I'm looking to have a similar setup, but haven't decided on which yet. Also trying to find shops that I can try the feel before buying. Is this what you did? All the best, Andrew from London.
0: We went with Watch Shop. Um, one, because those guys, they're super cool. And we messaged them. They were really interested in helping us find a perfect solution for our bikes and everything. And we were in this tricky position where Paula had just gone from a small shiv to an extra small shiv, trying to like have some accommodation for the TT Championships. I was just coming onto a shiv... From an Argon 18. And the nice thing about their bars is that they send you they like they come with these brackets essentially that they can move forward and backwards, up and down, tilt really easily just with two bolts. And you're able to like really, really dial in your position super specifically.
1: Yeah, That's honestly, I like the look of those bars and they look really comfortable just from like seeing pictures of them, like having kind of the full arm cup situation that comes all the way up your forearm and the grips are really comfortable. So I reached out to them and to like Aero Coach and a couple other that look similar. And Watchop are really the only bar aftermarket bar company who've ever expressed interest in helping me. And they have been awesome. Love them. They are very helpful. They don't ask a lot from us in return, but go above and beyond to make sure that we're dialed and set up. Um, so like Eric said, they have these adjustable mounts that we used for the first couple of months just to make sure our positions were really set.
0: We took those to the wind tunnel.
1: We took them to the wind tunnel. Then we sent them the measurements for those. And then they made us custom risers that are super sleek and clean and light that mimic that position so that it's just like one piece and the bars. So it's really, really light and clean and Um, We had a bit of a misunderstanding with the tilt of my original custom risers. It wasn't UCI legal and I had TT champs in two weeks and they like express mailed me the compliant uh, risers. So they're just great people. And I think that time trial... Racing and riding is much bigger in the UK in terms of like age group athletes doing it. There's mm. not a ton of like open time trials in the US. So not as big of a market or a demand necessarily. But I think in the UK, these guys are like super popular. Like they help athletes of all levels get dialed in their TT position for UCI races and for triathlon. They work with Alistair Brownlee. Um Anyway, I would for sure give them a try if you're looking for an aftermarket thing and I think they can adapt them to really any TT bike. That is my TED talk. Love it, <laughs> love it.
2: No, I remember you no, talking just, about this to me too, that they're super knowledgeable. Yeah, no, it's it's just
0: super cool when you like a product and the, and then the people end up being awesome and, and it works for you and the wind tunnel said it's fast and it's, yeah. just, it's just something that we're happy to talk I'm really about.
1: Co- and me particularly, who I'm really, really nervous on my TT bike in general and picky about the bars and the angle and it took me like a year to get the right setup on my Shiv try but with these bars i tried them once and liked them instantly which is not normal for me That's not normal so <laughs> we, we
0: i did a lot of bar swapping
2: in January. yeah because <laughs> <laughs> ptsd <clears throat> lot of bar swapping we were
1: like all these things together for my other bike to try to get the tilt and all things right and the these bars just instantly like i sunk into them and they're great
2: love it I need a pair. I need a pair.
1: No, you do need a pair, Nick, because I hate your extensions.
2: <laughs> yeah, I do too. Oh my god, they like break my wrists every time. I mean, how how worth it do you think? Like, who's the age grouper that you think should get something like this? You. Is it someone like, who's unhappy with their curtain setup, or is it someone who's like you're already very fast, but you want that next level comfort and speed and aerodynamic thing?
0: Yeah, I would I would look at it more like uh, as as a comfort sort of thing, less than a speed thing. Yes, it's obviously uh, going to allow you to get into a better position, but you're never going to know for sure unless you go do some wind tunnel testing. So if you can do wind tunnel testing, then definitely a great thing to look at. But if you just haven't been able to get comfortable with your bars with your bike's stock bars and t- adjusting the tilt, and you know you go in and they've got like a five degree riser, and then you try a twelve degree riser, but they don't have a seven. Like that was Paula's thing. Like uh, the Shiv came with like. A, a, a zero a five and like a 15 and she really wanted 10 plus like her h- hands to be in relaxed instead of like bent over forward you know like the wrist yeah. position that just gives you a lot of flexibility and they're not that expensive relative to some of like the full custom bars you have to commit to first try yep. you know
1: yeah. It, in terms of an investment they're not crazy when you think about how much people spend on other stuff yeah. in triathlon
0: I would look at it as a comfort thing though
2: Cool. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I was curious about. We'll try um, to get you a an,
1: pro deal, Nick.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I need the, I need all the pro deals I can get. Um, <laughs> things are expensive. Um, okay. Last question here is from Karita. Hey, all really enjoy the pod and impatiently wait for it every week. My question is how do you mentally cope with not having a weekend? Most people feel the weekend is something to wait for and it's freedom of sorts. Even if it means chores at home and lots of training, there's no workday rush and no day job. All your work days seem the same. Swim, bike, run, and for you it's the job. When do you feel the sense of freedom most people experience <laughs> on Friday? Keep up the good work, Karita. I've thought about never. this all the time I think about this all the time that you guys don't really have that. And even no. I like even with my job, which feels like barely a job, it's it I don't know. Like you you really never ever stop
1: like if anything the weekends are more
2: um or worse
1: are worse for us because the Monday's training is like harder and that everything's busier it's hard to find quiet roads I have um, to edit all
0: day on Friday and Saturday
1: yeah so for us like our easy days are a little bit of relief but we do try to jam in a lot of like TTL or whatever stuff on our easy days so yeah it doesn't come around often but I will say that the trade-off of that is our lives in general are pretty flexible and we don't have to like clock in, clock out. And I like that about our lifestyle is not being.
0: Yeah. You know, after like swimming, I'd say at least every other day we go for a coffee for 20 or 30 minutes with whoever we swam with or whoever we're getting ready to go for a bike ride with or whatever. So we have like, we, we spread out our, our Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings over All the other days days of the week, at little bits. Like it
1: sounds pretty cushy when you talk about what we do in a day, but the training does really suck a lot of the time. So people don't think about the five k swim that we do before we go for coffee. uh, (laughs) uh, And
0: then then there's just there's just never time. Yeah, there's never time for like we want to get our house painted because like the the paint is peeling and it's a protection thing and of course it's going to look good too. But like we've had jugs of paint to like paint test swatches on at the side of the house in the garage for a month, and I just still have not had like oh, okay i've got 3 hours of time here where i can go and mix the paint and paint it on and make sure it's dry and this just never happens like our our free windows are like 45 minutes
1: that's why we really live for the off season
0: yeah yeah that's it basically our weekend is december
1: yeah, yeah and but also
2: like even that like how long are you really taking there you're still training you're well, just not doing all the volume but
1: it's the mental like having a race upcoming that really makes this time of the year tense and Personally, after the end of August, there's no more really that important triathlons left. So This is a nice year. Yeah. like I'll kind of have a more relaxed fall this year just because Worlds are at the end of August instead of the end of October. So that'll be nice. But then 2024, I think it's like full on and Worlds are in December and it's back to craziness. But anyway, we're very, 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 very lucky to do this. And not having a weekend, quote unquote, is just like a small part of the many, many good things. That it's come a good along, trade-off. Yeah. It's worth it. So we're not whining. We just, I think that if I worked nine to five every day doing a more conventional job, I would need a weekend, but I feel like what we do is pretty sustainable because of how we structure it.
2: But do you anyway. have, so you guys don't take one day off a week ever, right? You don't take, you don't, you don't have rest days. You have days that are, you would, you would count as like recovery days, but you're still training, getting yeah. doing some light training at least.
0: Yeah, Yeah, like Monday Monday I say is like typically what feels like a weekend to me because I've put out the vlog on Sunday and Monday we usually just have like a 5k swim and a 40 minute easy run and if I'm feeling really tired and I want to indulge we'll switch that to a 3.5k swim we'll just like cut half the set out. And go get a little brunch afterwards, and that just feels like that feels like a mini weekend.
2: <laughs> so and then put so off the run to... until
0: like six p.m. So it feels like the whole day is open.
2: It's it's all relative, right? Like to most people, yeah. three and a half k swim and a forty minute run is like, no, that's a pretty good day of training, you know.
0: Well, anything that feels like you treated yourself—that's the key.
2: I remember. I mean, it, this maybe is is irrelevant, but I remember when like two a days now are just so normal for, you know, t- in training. And even having just one workout a day feels like, oh, am I doing enough today? But I remember when yeah. one workout a day felt like,
1: whew, this is a really lot. hard. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Like Eric and I do so many three workout days. Oh man. that it Those days feel like there's no time for anything else because we're tired and yeah. trying to cram stuff in. It would be nice if we just did two every day instead of like, Three every day and a couple of two days, uh, whatever, but it's right. okay. It's the reason Oof. we're racing fast.
2: Yep. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Okay, cool. Well, Eric, are there can people follow along on your race on Saturday?
0: Uh there might be there might be like live timing checkpoints. Yeah. It's oh. the, the race is called High Cascades one hundred. He's
1: also the best man at his friend Danny's wedding that same day. So if oh he's not looking like he's going to finish in time for the wedding, he's bailing.
2: Yeah. Okay, got it. So <laughs> fear,
1: fear, not, lives, fear not if he life. doesn't finish. There's a what good a reason. What a life.
2: What a life. Stay tuned. Will people be able to follow along somewhat on the That Triathlon Life Instagram?
1: I'm gonna just trying uh, to do my own training that morning. So maybe, okay. but maybe not.
0: I would say okay. there's like a 1% chance our friend Sam like sees me come by the, the trail for a split second. But I'm not definitely not counting on it. The, the thing about it is, it's like this is very much in the woods, yeah, on single track. It. It's not easy to get to. There are two sections. There's like a spot at 50 miles and 86 miles or something where they say spectators can um, see their person go by. But otherwise, it's like you out in the woods doing your thing.
2: Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, and then, other than that, like we said on Saturday, the Foreign Rider film, Exploration of Freedom, comes out uh, on Friday, the day after this podcast comes out. The uh, the Color Block collection comes out. If we're sticking yeah. with that, Color Block collection, yeah. I mean, we also that name uh, forever.
1: We had people say, like, can the subscribers get early access? But we ordered. There is a lot of this stuff. We don't expect it to sell out in a day, so don't worry if you can't get to it like at the crack of dawn. But it always surprises us, so who knows?
0: There's something that you, you're just like, oh my gosh, I really, really want that specific thing. And if you're like an extra large or some si- size that there's only a couple of, then why, yeah, I wouldn't wait.
2: Yeah, the crack of dawn might be the best move. Yeah, I'd them, hate to this. be like, oh, there's no,
0: <laughs> I'd hate to be like, there's no way we're selling out. And then it sells out in an hour or something and uh, that'd right. be terrible. Right cool.
1: All right. Well, thanks, you guys. Happy birthday, Eric. And uh, thanks, Nick, for chiming in from Italy. You're
0: welcome. My pleasure. Later, everybody. Bye. Bye.